on episode 13 of VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast. You can watch us on VIP YouTube, see these three gorgeous faces there, or follow us on Spotify, where you can download and get us all in glorious audio tune, if that's what they say. I'm Steve Lillis, and as usual, we have my co-host, Mr. John Evans, who's about five miles up the road in Oldham, or might even be a bit closer than that from me. And, uh, of course, we've alongside John Evans this week, Mr. Jazza Dickens, a fine fighter who's now getting his just rewards after um, the recent MTK golden contract victory. He's gone all posthumous. He's usually in a car or laying on his sofa doing Zoom calls. Now he's got all his belts, his photos of... Georgie Vaughan and Derry Matthews. He, 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 you know, we have to go through his agent now. <laughs> anyway, how's your agent, Gazza? I mean, Jazza. And uh, I guess you're all ready for all comers at Featherweight. I've been trying to get on this podcast for over three years. And now you have had me on since I won my last fight. <laughs> <laughs> glory hunters, Jazza. That's what we yeah, are. That's glory. right. John's right. We're glory hunters. We only talk to you when you're winning. But you can't accuse us two of that. We've been there all the way with you. Yeah. Go back a long way to the VIP days, mate, which is, uh, God, I bet you even can't remember that far back, Jazza. It was that long ago. It actually does seem like another career, Steve. It really does. Jazza, just look. Next to your left elbow there, you've got a challenge belt and in your cabinet. And I was yeah. there the night you won that, on the night of the Hungarians at Liverpool Olympia, when it must have been yeah. about minus five degrees. And you thought, was it Di Davis? Di Davis, yeah. And yeah, that's uh, the worst set of opponents I've ever seen in my life. Okay, you know, know what happened that night, Steve? I weighed in, I super bantam weighed eight stone ten, and he got told the fight was at nine stone, apparently. So he weighed in, bang on the weights, and I weighed in, bang on the weights, but we were different weights. So he couldn't win the belt, and, and I could, but uh, we took the fight anyway. That's the coldest venue in Britain, isn't it? Liverpool, oh, Olympia. Wow. You've seen those changing rooms there. Yeah. <laughs> shocking. Yeah. Absolutely shocking. If anyone's listening to this wants to see a bad opponent, Ryan Burnett made his debut on that show and he fought yeah. a guy who looked like um, Billy Casper from Kez. He looked like he'd got his <laughs> kit out of a spare kit. He'd never had a pair of gloves on in his life. And you want to go on YouTube and watch Ryan Burnett's debut. And that's for sure that Jazza won his... Challenge belt on. I don't, you know what, John? I don't remember that show. And, you know, it reminds me hearing those stories of these Americans that used to come over for Mickey Duff shows in the 70s and all have the same gown on, they'd all have the same different you know, training shoes on. Outrageous stuff. And that reminds me of those sort of days. Um, but you know what, John? I bet you love that night because you're remembering it and you're speaking about it with a smile on your face. Oh, I love it. Yeah. When you when you look at where Jazz is now and you, you've got the memories of days like that. I remember him walking around the Debbie Hotel on a dinner show in his full kit yeah. and hand wraps uh, with, when he fought Christian Light. So, yeah. yeah, right from the start. And uh, it's good to see Jazz getting his uh, getting his remorse. Another story, lads, Christian Leite actually came off holiday the day before and because the opponent pulled through, he took the fight on it on must have been less than 24 hours notice. And <laughs> went easy on me. And before we go on, Jez, and start the podcast, any any fight news, any news you can give us on what's happening with you? You know, I know, you, I know you're still wallowing in your success of that great win against another friend of ours, Ryan Walsh, but is there any, any definitive fight news or possible fight news? Not on set just yet. Not on set as as like the pandemic and the COVID and stuff like that. There's no fights allowed here, but there's fights allowed in America. So I have put that fight behind me now, and I'm looking forward to 
what what could come, and I believe that it could be a world title. I've got two European titles. I've won, I've won a belt at every level apart from world world title. So, yeah, that that that's what we're looking for a world title. Brilliant. Um, for those of you listening to Bell to Bell for the first time, the three of us have picked out a couple of topics each. We discuss each topic for exactly three minutes. And, we, and what happens, John, after the end of the three minutes, whether you're talking or not? Yeah, Jamie Moore didn't like it last week. John kept interrupting him. He weren't happy at all. Jamie said he's never going to speak to John Evans again or invite him down to his gym. Um, so it's six three-minute rounds of chat. And if you're still talking when the bell sounds, you are straight back to your corner. If you don't get the gist of this, if you're listening for the first time, you soon will. John, round one to you. Let's just start the timer going. Right, let's talk about uh, Chris Eubank Jr. He's just signed a deal with the Sourlands. I, I think it's a, a shot in the arm for the middleweight division, this. We all know Eubank's limitations. We've all seen them a couple of times. But you can't argue that he's exciting. He's a character. He brings attention. He brings excitement. When he gets the right opponent in front of him, he's, I think he's great to watch. Let's those hands go. Isn't scared of mixing it. And when you look down the top names at middleweight these days, it's just name after name of guys that can give Eubank an entertaining fight. The division's probably lost a little bit since Canelo and Golovkin sorted out the differences and Canelo's gone and Golovkin's maybe just lost half a step. But can you imagine Eubank against Jamel Charlo? Imagine Eubank against Mungia. Imagine Eubank against Golovkin now. And the one for me, and it's the, the British fight I would love the most. Yeah. Imagine Chris Eubank Jr. against Liam Williams. Let's just get... Eubank Jr. in the mix with these fights. Let's get some excitement going and let's get Eubank in this middleweight mix. John, I was going to repeat what you said. Um, you know, you know, I, 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 you know, he's a character. People want to read about him. He's one of the few, you know, go back to newspapers. He's one of the few fighters who gets great extensive coverage in newspapers when he speaks and talks. They pull him out for previews. Um, I wonder how he's going to get his chance. I can't see the PBC helping him because he was doing bits with them. They've got Jamil Charlo. Um, Andrade looks, you know, taken up with one fight and another, the Liam Williams fight. Murata's a possibility to go to Japan. I think, he, you know, it's going to be hard for him to get that breakthrough. But the, Liam Williams is the fight I'd love to see. Imagine that if um, Andrade moves up the super middleweight, they have that for the vacant WBO super middleweight. How good would that be for domestic boxing? I believe that that would be a great fight for Steve, uh, for, for Williams as well. I think that Williams deserves a big fight like that, a big name. And I think uh, I actually believe Williams will win that fight. But going with the Sourlands, a top top company, and he's um, he's had great cards, Eubank, and I think he's played them played them right as well. You know, for 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 the talents, things a really good fighter, but he's played his cards really, really, really well. Yeah, yeah as I said, you know, it's easy for the kid, the lads of famous sportsmen to you know, to take the easy way, isn't it? You know, and maybe rest on the father's laurels. But I think it's one thing you can't accuse Eubank of doing. I think he, he's a hard worker and he's a hard lad, isn't he? You know, he's, I think he's quite willing to put himself in harm's way. The ego's there. He's got that famous Eubank ego. And as I say, we've seen him come up short in the same way a couple of times to George Groves and, and Billy Joe. You can outbox him. He is going to plant his feet and stuff. But when you get the right opponent, He's made for TV, and I just think there's a real list of exciting fights with Merritt Middleweight. I'm glad you picked up on hard work, John. So though he changes trainers often, he work. You know, he he lives in that gym. You know, for I've been around him. That's what I will say about him. 
<laughs> Jazz is not happy there, John. Hey, John's a serious rule maker. Right. This is the final countdown for round two. And I've been thinking of, you know, I was speaking to someone, Richard Hubbard, who I do some work with this morning, and he just sort of came into my mind after speaking with Richard. You know, and it's like, are oh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury looking to close their careers? They're lined up, it seems, unless Wilder throws a spanner in the works for, um, you know, two, two fights. The money they're going to amass from those two fights is colossal. And after that, whoever's standing after those two fights, or even one of them, if one of them wins convincingly and the other walks away, um, they are going to be the number one. There is nothing to prove in the world. Is, either, is the man standing going to want to fight an Alexander Rusik, who they can undoubtedly beat, who could make them look bad? and that They, they will finish that two-fight series. And the, the, the man standing at the end is the boss of the heavyweight division. No arguments from anyone in the world. And you wonder, all that money they amassed, will they really want to carry on? What else would there be for them to achieve? Joshua would have made a fortune. He could have gone away and go promote him, whatever he's, he's looking at doing with his company. Um, and I think, you know, Fury, he says he has to be kept busy. He could go and do the wrestling for a year because he loved it when he did the WWE last time. And I mean this in the nicest way. He was with like-minded cranks like him, the same sort of personalities. Um, and then he could maybe go and do his film. I know there's talk of a film um, for him to do with Jason Statham where he plays some sort of um, apprentice superhero, I'm hearing. He could go away do them, and he would come back. He could come back three years later. The Gypsy King's still going to take on all comers. And during those two, three years away, he could just be digging out every boxer there is still to make sure he's there. But I don't see what they've got to prove and what's left of them to fight after, after the, this two-fight series. Go on, Jazz. Oh, yeah, I, 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 we've only got a minute, so I'll be, I'll be quick. I think the Gypsy King wins and rules the division, but I do believe that Tyson is looking for a fight a bit more than Joshua. I think that Joshua's a smart, smart man. I don't know. I think, I think Fury wants him, but Joshua doesn't need him. I don't know. I Will it happen? I don't know. Uh, I hope it does. I think if these two people were in a childlike brain, they would love these dancing partners for the future. They've come across it now, and I hope, I hope it can happen. Could we're in a different era as well, aren't we? I, I don't think we're going to get a heavyweight champion ruling for, for a decade like Vladimir Klitschko or no. like Joe Lewis did before. I, th I think you're right, Steve. I think money talks, and if, if Fury's beaten Joshua twice, why not go and earn a few extra quid in WWE? Go on, Jazza. Jazza, punching pensions. Yes, I would love to see it. We always think as a fighter, don't we? How could, um, how could boxing be set up for the future, for the future of boxing? And then the retiring boxers, I would love to see something put in place, but there's absolutely nothing there for fighters. I don't know how it could work. I would love to, to get the community, the boxing community's ideas on how it could work. Maybe fighters could pay into some sort of scheme with the British Boxing Board of Control to put them in a position where we can give back. But then there's so many fighters who were taken from the sport. It's, it's hard to see who really deserves it and who doesn't because it's, I think there's a lot of fighters who have 15 fights, 20 fights to give years to the sport and then they come away from it. Well, absolutely not. So it's, it's a sad, sad, sad thing to see. Yeah, I think, you know, with, with the pain, I mean, Jamie Moore is a topic quite close to Jamie Moore's heart, this jazzer, and I'm, I'm sure he'd speak about it with you. But, 
I just wonder, I mean, I'd love the idea of boxers putting something in if they could, but I think there's so many boxers out there who are going around the circuit just about covering prior, you know, covering their fights by paying ticket money and others that are journeyman going around earning their 1,800 quid for four rounds every Saturday or two and a half grand for six rounds on a TV show. And I think getting that, persuading them fighters to put in 15% of their purse to a pension is going to be really hard. I think it's going to take, it would be, what it really needs is some independent pension company to maybe come in and try and speak with these fighters. But I think it's going to be very, very hard. But it's been tried before. I think Barry McGuigan and um, Mickey Campbell, I think that would be part of their plan when they had that boxers union. But it, but it all fell apart. And I think it's so much different for boxers than footballers who have their money put in these pensions from an early age and get the sportsman's pension that matures at 35. I think it's really, really difficult. And I'm sure the board would would would... would would, would, would help, but I'm not sure the percentage of fighters that would, Jazza. I mean, you, you go, you know, Jazza, you're, you're hopefully moving on to the big money now, but for, you know, much of your early career, you wouldn't have been able to afford to put money into a pension scheme. Yeah. And these guys that are earning a couple grand a month from boxing, they just can't afford it. So they might be young with three kids, that sort of thing. I don't, you know, I don't know what John thinks, how he would plan it. I was just thinking that, say a, a boxer who's been successful now and we're earning 50 grand for a fight, if they only fight twice a year and you've got a family, you don't really want to be handing a percentage of your purse over. I was just thinking then while Jazz was talking, could it be done on uh, once a show sold X amount, pounds worth of tickets, could there then be a percentage levy taken off that? You know, therefore, you're only penalising the big shows um, yeah, the big promoters and things like that. It's very complicated, but as we said with Jamie, something's got to be put in place. I'd love to. I'd love it too. I'd love it too. Right, we're on to a. It's, it's time to gamble for a lot of fighters now. Um, I know we're just about to get the next batch of shows announced, but when you add up the total number of fights, it's only what sixty or seventy fights in total. That means when you take journeymen into account, probably a hundred different fighters are going to earn a few quid. Um, during my last show, we, we seemed to have two different ways of going at it, didn't we? Uh, Sky were very competitive, top to bottom, six pretty evenly matched fights, whereas BT were a bit more willing to showcase prospects against journeymen. I think young Jamie Quinn has never been on TV as much as he was over the last uh, six months. But I just wonder if that might change this time. You know, this isn't a short-term thing, is it? This no. is going to be a long-term thing, and the sport's got to keep moving. So we're going to get fights like... Um, Josh Kelly fighting David Avenesian, and having not boxed for over a year. Um, Josh Warrington straight in with Kanzu, having not boxed since October 2019. Hopefully Fury goes in with Joshua and he's not boxed since last February. So we're going to get a lot of, a lot more early tests. We might get a lot more careers coming to an abrupt halt. We might get people catapulted to fame a lot quicker than we expected. But it's time to gamble now. And I think all fighters are, are going to have to take these chances when we come. Yes, I think you'll be good to comment on that. Yeah, I think I like it. I like it because the fighters who are there to fight who are going to give all to the sports. I had a friend, me Shakespeare, he took a chance two days notice on Sky Sports. He killed himself to make the weight, but he took his chance on me and he'll get another chance because of it. But there's a lot of people, it'll um, separate the, the shite from the good, you know what I mean? A lot of people, right? There's one, boxing, 
you're gonna have to have a hard fight now on two. There's no nightclubs, so you can't go there and tell women that you're a fighter. <laughs> so, so I think it's a, I think it can be a really good thing. And I think that the creative people in the sport are gonna survive through these hard times. We'll see who fights that. I tell you what, Jazz Jazz is always taking on all comers. He's absolutely chuffed that these guys can't take three, four walks. He's in his element with lockdown. This is the best boxing's ever been for Jazza. No, no one can, no one can. But no, you know, it is right. And a couple of things, you know, what's funny, journeyman getting noticed for fights. I know a journeyman that's um, um, already been booked for a fight for a show for the end of February. So, you know, they, these journeymen are usually... We're finish on a Saturday. I hope the phone's going to ring on a Monday. I know a journeyman who's in training for a fight. Um, I think it's um, right at the end of February. So they're getting noticed. But uh, John, as I, I repeat so often on it, my big fear is fighters who are were at their peak at the end of this, uh, when, when it all started, this pandemic, who haven't had action, who could just be on that slide. And, you know, I, I wonder where, you know, Josh Warrington won't be finished, but will he be the fighter he was 18 months ago? Because that was a man. We'll see. Of his powers. There, there's a man. You challenge <laughs> Josh Warrington. Come on, Steve. Right. Um, my final round for it is Amir Furit. Um, Amir Khan, um, he's out in Dubai, where he's enjoying a, the good life out there, his wife, and representing Mr. Suleiman, the WBC, and uh, everything like that. And it's great to see him involved on that side, but, but he's now talking up the Kel Brook fight. Now, that, you know, anyone who listens to this who knows me, I won't have, will not have a word against Amir Khan. If you knock Amir Khan, you're knocking me. I love him. Um, and he's talking up the Brook fight, but what, is it unfair that although they're both over the top, should we say, I mean, want to use the word shot, whatever, they're both not what they were. You know, that fight, still has great interest to the to the casual customer in this country. You think there's great fights coming up. Warrington Zoo, Frampton Herring's going to happen in February or late February or March. And Josh Taylor against Ramirez for all them wonderful super lightweight belts. That fight will mean more to people than any of those three great fights. Now, is that wrong? Personally, uh... Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Like, I, I love Amir as well, but those two guys have stopped that fight happening for the last five years. If two, Jazza will know better than anybody. If two fighters want a fight to happen, it'll happen. You know, if two guys make it clear to the promoter who works for them, it always gets forgotten, that they want to fight this man, it'll happen. And those two have found enough reasons not to yeah. face each other. And it all purely comes down to neither of them wants to lose to the hated rival. And now they've decided once they both pass the best, we've not got much to lose, we'll cash out. I think it is a bit sad, but it'll overshadow, yeah, yeah. you know, some massive fights. But I'm not going to lie, I'll watch it. I'll watch every second of it. And the build up Taylor Ramirez might be ignored over it if they're a week yeah. apart. Sorry, Jezza. I, I think that the, the, the lads, you should strike while the iron's off to get it. But I think the lads always knew that this fight was going to be there at the end. When this time came, they always knew that we'd watch it. So... As a fighter, I can't be good to them two lads to big payday when they both know that yeah. um, they are past the best. Yeah, I don't begrudge them the payday. I'll just get a bit rolled if um, they're fighting one week for more money than what Taylor and Ramirez are going to get or Frampton and Harry. But you know what? You said something like you strike while the iron's hot, hot. And that, that iron has always been smouldering for that fight. And still it is. I don't think you could have put it any better, Jazza. 
Um, can you imagine it at its absolute peak, though? Can you imagine Carn and Brook at the City of Manchester Stadium oh. three or four years ago? Hey, when it would have been talk- fantastic, wouldn't it? John, when they were talking about it at Bolton Stadium, as a Macron, whatever it, when it was the Macron, whatever it was called, there would have been 35,000 in there that night. There would have been that many in there, but it was still... Time anyway, Jazz's last topic. Your last topic. My last topic, right? Every time someone drops the ball in boxing, people just have a go. I follow all the top channels on, on YouTube. This one being them. But these, you don't do it, you nice people. <laughs> but what we see is someone drops the ball, whether that be a manager, a boxer, a referee, anyone in boxing. Everyone's there, the same people from the same channels giving these people a load of shit because they've dropped the ball. But what they don't see, we might be giving, say, for instance, Deontay Wilder. We all call him Bum Dosser, weren't we? Everyone was calling him Bum Dosser. <laughs> but now it's like I'm looking at him thinking, don't you realize this man's got fucking feelings? What happens if the Bum Dosser goes and puts the fucking noose around his neck? And we're all sitting here saying, oh, that's his problem. We jump on, on people because they make mistakes. I think that we should be lifting each other up. Because I don't want to watch that shit anymore. It's dark, it's negative. I want to see nice happiness and, and positivity and support through the boxing community because I think the people getting into boxing who aren't actually the fighters is dividing people and their opinions within this beautiful community that we've got. Funnily enough, Jazza, me and Lily spoke about this today and we were. I, I was wondering if people are coming into boxing, the people doing the interviewing, the people doing the talking, are coming into it from different backgrounds and different sports. And there's a way to speak to people in boxing and there's a way to conduct yourself and act. And I don't think we do it in the right way. Um, and I just wonder if part of that comes into it. They wouldn't dare say this to anybody's face, but there's also, if you've got a problem, take it up in private, you know, yeah. keep things keep things on the low with um, people in boxing. I just wonder if people are coming into this from different sports, different backgrounds, and just treating boxers in the same way that they would um, a football or a cricket, and it doesn't work like that, I don't think. You know what? A lot of these people go doing this, and you are right, Jazza, about, you know, boxers have feelings. that you might all be macho men, but you have feelings. You would have been hurt by things that have been, you know, you've lost a couple of times. You'll be hurt by what's said about you when they're lost. It, if people are wrong, you will be wrong. You'll take constructive criticism on the chin, but you won't take just being ru- rubbish. Now, I get that. And you know what? I think a lot of it is social media, as great as it's been for you, for boxers, for selling themselves, every mug has a voice now. And it's how these people find their way of staying relevant. There's nothing constructive. They never go to a show and meet the boxers and get to know you where you, where you can make a point to them like there, like you've got feelings, you've got emotions, Jazza. And, you know, you tell me how you felt when, you know, you've got some, you, you've had criticism in the past. Yeah, well, I don't take it personal, but I do know just people who don't take, who aren't like me. And I know there's like big, big fellas who are like little children inside, do you know what I mean? And I know that they will be hurting bad and they can't, they take the knocks, do you know what I mean? And they go and retire, but these people are still on the keyboard like that. He can't do this and he can't do that. So if a C is, I want to knock you out. <laughs> no, uh, you it's, know, it's, it's like um, a, a footballer, say a footballer scores an own goal in the Merseyside derby, Jazza. He'll get stick, he'll, but the next week he's got a chance to come back from that. And it's all, yeah. if he scores the winner in the next game, it's all forgotten. A boxer is getting beaten up and knocked out in front of a paying crowd and he won't get a chance to redeem himself for nine or ten months. And I think that's the major difference. And I think people, you, you can give your conductive, uh, constructive criticism, but 
especially if you're in a position where you're trying to make a living off YouTube channels and trying to make a living interviewing. I just think you you should yeah. think twice, we, maybe, and rein it we, in a bit. We, we fight for a living. That's who we are. Professional fighters, we fight for a living. We don't want these people coming into our sport who are talking a lot and, and, and putting divides in between our, in our, in between our beautiful sport. Yeah. John, they made a great point about the footballers there. And, well, I, I can do one even quicker than a week. Last night, guy playing in goal for Brighton, Jason Still, made, made a howler of all howlers in the last minute of injury time against Newport. Yeah. Shocking howler. It was absolutely awful for a keeper. You shouldn't make it in a Sunday league. That's not being criticism. Jason still admitted it was a terrible mistake he made. He had the chance to put it right half an hour later at the end of extra time, and he did it by saving four penalties. And who was the first man? Sky went and interviewed at the end, or BT Sport went and interviewed after extra time. You've got to get Jason still. <laughs> We've gone way long- over the three minutes. Ah. Go on, Jazza, finish up. Ah. I'd love to see the YouTube comments, the Twitter comments at last time, and then the same people commenting after the game. Yeah, yeah. Jason still. So there you go. And that, there, so the, the John's football analogy, there's a, you know, that that is absolutely spot on. But Jazza, it's been oh, it's been good having John, my pal John, on as always, my, my co-host. And we've had we've had Jazza Dickens on from his posh office there. I don't know where he is, but he's got all those belts behind him. I'm not having them there ease, but John Evans tells me they are. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me, lads. I really enjoyed it. I've been trying to get on for years, and I'm finally happy day. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, John Evans, thank you, John. I'll speak to you in the week, John. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Jazza. And uh, yeah, Jazza, thank you very much indeed for um, your time this evening. That's great. For all boxing info, news, and latest interviews. Amateur and Pro, across the north, click and subscribe. VIP Boxing Promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook.